Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. There's an inspiring new devotional out in stores right now. It's written by David Wesley Reed. It's titled Prospering on God's Promises, 365 Days of Faith-Building Devotions. David is right here with me now, and we're going to chat all about it. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. What can readers expect in this book of devotions, David? Well, I'm hoping that as they make their way through, they start to feel more optimistic and positive about what it means to be a believer. I think Christians are on the defensive a lot these days, and it's really disappointing to see that because God has so many wonderful promises for us, and I want everybody to feel spiritually enlivened by it. David, was there maybe a certain group of Christians that you were speaking to with this, or was it more of a general audience? More of a general audience. I think everybody can profit from feeling better about their faith. I'm hoping also that people who are kind of marginally Christian will appreciate more of what Christianity has to offer, and that overall it will introduce people to the great promises of the Scripture. Hmm. David, what inspired you to write this book? What sparked you to sit down and begin writing? Two things, really. I, As I said, I have been increasingly disappointed in the fact that so many Christians are questioning their faith. They're under a lot of pressure in a secular culture that we live in. Mm. So that culture was really uh, weighing on me, and I thought, what a, what a shame that, that that's the case. But in truth, I began to write about it because I was praying one day after I retired that God would continue to use me. I, I wasn't physically able to maintain the senior pastorship that I was holding just because it was getting to be too much, but I wasn't ready to go out to pasture either. And so I was praying one day, and the Lord, as clearly as I'm talking with you, said to me, I want you to write a book on my promises. I always test that kind of thing out because you never know whether it's your voice or God's voice. But I waited on him, talked to others, and the desire to do that grew stronger and stronger. So I knew it was from, from the Lord. And it took me about two to three years to make my way through it all. David, it sounds to me like if I were to sit down to write 365 separate devotions, it would take me forever. Was that the case for you? Well, I really committed myself eagerly to it, and I just went about it very diligently every evening. And when I started out, I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, this is a formidable task. But it kept flowing. I kept getting more excited, and before I knew it, it was done. Mm. And when that day came, David, you finally got that first physical copy in, and you got to hold it. You got to look at this thing that you had written and created. Uh, What was that moment like for you? It was incredibly exciting because it was like giving birth to something that I've wanted to do for a long, long time. When I was active in ministry, Mm. I never had the time to do this, but it really allowed me to put on paper a lot of what I've been thinking about for a long time. And when I put it in my hand, it was like, I can hardly believe it. It feels Mm. good. David, have you given thought to writing and publishing more in the future now? Yes, uh, this is my second one, and my third one, I'm almost done. It's been This one has been in the process of going back and forth through editing and the like for about a year, and I've been working on a third book 
now that's probably a few months away from completion. Hmm. It's going to be titled Close Encounters of a Divine Kind. I'm sure you've learned a lot along the way of writing and publishing. It's sure a lot of work. So what advice would you have to people listening right now who are the aspiring authors? They want to get their books out there, too. Well, be diligent, be patient, and wait on the Lord, because it's a lot of work. And finding a publisher and going back and forth in the process of design of pages and editing of content and things like that just takes an awful long time. Mm. And I feel that I'm going to be leaving a legacy that people will use long after I'm gone. And that feels good. Mm. David, was there ever a time when you were writing this and it just got tough? Maybe you got some writer's block or maybe just didn't know quite what to write next. And then how did you get through those challenges? Well, it happens frequently. And sometimes I just took a few days off and just let it go to rest. I get my mind rested for a little while. And at other times I, I prayed and the writer's block, so to speak, never lasted longer than three or four days. Hmm. Well, I know this is a book that a lot of people are going to find helpful and inspirational in their lives, and I encourage my listeners to definitely check it out. The title is Prospering on God's Promises, 365 Days of Faith-Building Devotions. It's written by David Wesley Reed, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can grab this one up everywhere, such as Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. David, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I'm delighted right now we're speaking with author Gwendolyn S. Corbett here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gwen, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hello, and thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm glad you could be here. It's really exciting. You have a new book out in stores right now. It's titled, The Light at the End of the COVID-19 Tunnel, Poems to Heal the Heart and Soul, Poems Inspired and Written During the COVID-19 Pandemic, from March 20th, 2020 through May 8th, 2021. So we have a lot of poems here, Gwen. Can you tell me about the book? Yes. During COVID-19, God told me to remain hopeful and positive. God used my body, a vessel to share healing writing. Poems poured through me when I walked out the back door onto my patio and was touched by the warm rays of the sun or the freshness of a spring breeze, or when I saw a beautiful flower that was so full of hope and life when the COVID-19 world was lacking hope and fear death. This book is unique because beautiful graphic images accompany each writing. A resource section is in the back of the book with inspirations for the poems and graphic images. A lovely audible recording created by me pairs up with a book. Hmm. Finally, for all of my books, a certain percentage of proceeds will help disadvantaged youth, animals, and the environment. Who are you speaking to with your poetry, Gwen? Was there a certain set of readers that you were reaching with this? Really, those who enjoy spiritually uplifting poems with reference to nature and God. The writings are positive. Fantastic. When it comes to writing and publishing, Gwen, have you ever done anything like this before? No, this was my first published work, but my second book, a children's book, was just published, Hmm. Sleep Little Raven, A Bedtime Story. As a singer-songwriter, I created a lullaby found on all streaming services, which pairs up with the book. Future books will mainly be children's. Now, Gwen, can you tell me about that moment whenever you got the first hard copy of The Light at the End of the COVID-19 Tunnel in? I mean, you had so much time and hard work into this. So much of you went into it. So that moment had to have been special. It was pretty special. The feelings were amazement, at the same time disbelief. Writing and graphic images took little time. Editing and publishing took longer than expected. 
Holding the physical copy of my first book in my hands produced a huge sigh of relief. We have a lot of aspiring authors listening right now, Gwen, authors who want to go down that same path and go on that same journey that you did, getting that first one out there. Do you have any words of wisdom, things that you learned along the way that you could offer them? Yes. If you dream and feel that you'll write someday, keep positive and believe that it'll happen when the time is right. Well, writing and publishing your first book is certainly quite a task, Gwen. So what persuaded you? Was there something that sparked you to sit down and start writing this? Well, what persuaded me to actually sit down and write this book? Well, God and nature persuaded me. I never really sat down or began the book. The poems and stories just came through my heart when I took a coffee break, hiked in nature, witnessed and felt the beautiful natural world around me. From seeing snow to noticing beautiful flowers, to feeling the wind, to hearing children's laughter and the sounds of dogs barking. Towards the end of March 2021, I decided that instead of publishing a children's book, which would require a lot of work with storyboarding and graphic images, I already had the bones for a book of poetry. This book was a sudden and spontaneous decision. Hmm. Gwen, would you say that there's a person in your life who was inspirational to you, especially when you were writing this book? No person, really. God inspired me and said, Gwen, now is the right time to publish your books. Gwen, was writer's block an issue for you? Uh, Corey, I have never experienced writer's block. Hmm. I do not actually get started with writing a story. Perhaps many writers write like that. What happens for me is divine intervention. Hmm. The inspiration of words just pour through my body and soul. It may be while I'm taking a coffee break or hiking. It may be when I see animals, butterflies, bees, and birds. My stories happen when I least expect them. I quickly grab any piece of scrap paper, napkin, and begin to write. Or I type on my iPhone in the notes area. Rarely do I have my computer nearby when the inspiration comes for a poem or a story. And I think this book is going to be a light for a lot of readers out there. It's titled, The Light at the End of the COVID-19 Tunnel, Poems to Heal the Heart and Soul. Poems inspired and written during the COVID-19 pandemic from March 20th, 2020 through May 8th, 2021. This is written by Gwendolyn S. Corbett. And it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can grab this one up everywhere, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookshop. Gwen, thank you so much for joining me here tonight and telling me all about your work. It's so wonderful. I hope we can chat again sometime. Thank you for having me. I really appreciated this opportunity. I'm sitting down here at the Reader House Author Roundtable with author Alan Ladd. Alan, thanks for being here at the show with me tonight. Thank you. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing wonderful now that I get to talk to you. You have a new book out called Street Politics. So, Alan, tell me about this book. Well, the book is about a young man who was raised in Chicago, survived a lot of violence and poverty, which is probably mostly every young man and woman's story being raised in Chicago. But he moved to a new state for a change of pace to find himself knee-deep in illegal success. After doing multiple prison terms, he used his experience to put a team together and see how far he can push his luck. Hmm. Where did the idea for this one come from, Alan? The idea actually came from a lot of experiences that I've had in my life. Just trying to touch base with, with some of the readers, some of the things that they may have been going through at certain times in their life. And I just wanted to kind of get that experience out there. Hmm. What kinds of readers were you writing to here, Alan? Were there people who, who had maybe similar experiences to you? 
Yes, correct. Just people who have uh, endured struggles in the streets and poverty, uh, raised in the urban communities, the things that go on. Not only that, but I know people tend to be entertained by certain things that go on in the urban communities. So I just wanted to touch on that. Hmm. Was this book something that took you a long time to write and put through all those publishing hoops? It actually didn't take me that long to write, but it took me a long time to get it published. Mm. I wanted to kind of perfect it a little bit and, you know, find the right people to put it out there for me also. So this is the first time you've written a book or been published? Yes, this is my first published book. Congratulations. That's such a huge deal. You know, a lot of people say, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book, but very few people actually do it. So what was it like then after that hard work and everything that you went through when you finally got the first copy in and you got to hold this thing in your hands and look at it? What was that like for you, Alan? It was amazing, actually. Um, It made me feel accomplished a little bit. Made me feel like I can see something actually come to form that I put my thoughts into and my efforts. And what are the chances that you'll write another one? We'll see more from me in the future. This book is actually the first of a trilogy, so there'll be two more to come. And I'm also working on other things. Wow. How far are you into the next book? Is it going to be a while before we see that one, do you think? No, the next book is actually already done. I just need to go through the editing process and he'll be ready to be on the shelf. That's fantastic. Alan, have you ever hit a point where you're writing, then all of a sudden you got nothing? You hit writer's block or maybe you just run out of ideas. You don't know where to go next with things. And then how do you get through those hard times? Those are times when I try to reflect on, like I say, a lot of my life experiences and things that I have just seen growing up. And also some things, you know, people say that are factual, you know, but it's best for me to, I usually just put down the pen sometimes and try to reflect back on my life. Are there people that you have in your life, Alan, who knew you were doing this and they could be there to support you and encourage you along the way? Most definitely, uh, my fiance, uh, Mrs. Whitney, has encouraged me throughout the way, kept me focused and moving forward when I didn't want to move forward. Mm. And when you look back at everything, Alan, for you, what's the most rewarding aspect of now being a published author? Just being able to say that I'm published and not just a writer who doesn't have anything published, that's um, amazing to me. And to see the marketing and the effort going into making sure that the books are getting put out there in the right fashion. Alan, would you say that you're an avid reader? Yeah, yeah. What kinds of books do you find yourself getting lost in? At first, I was into urban novels, like the ones that I write, and um, once I started writing myself, I kind of got away from that because I didn't want to be influenced by other writers. But I like to read self-help books, books about entrepreneurs and, you know, the likes of those. I think this is a book that a lot of people are going to need to read and a lot of people are going to find some help and encouragement in. It's titled Street Politics. This is written by Alan Ladd, and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can grab this one up everywhere, like on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and Google Play, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Alan, it's been great speaking with you here tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. You have a nice day. Right now, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm joined by author Natoya Perkins. Natoya, thank you for joining me tonight. You're welcome, Corey. My pleasure being here. It's my pleasure to have you here, Natoya. You have a new book out in stores called Nina and Anna, 
a friend to call my own. Can you tell me what this is all about? Well, Nina and Anna is just a book about friendship and also a little life lesson for parents to encourage their child whenever they are going through some emotional trauma or whatever. It may seem simple, but it's basically this young lady or young girl, maybe around eight, nine-year-old, who has no friends. And her problem is that I need to have a friend. She's a sweet little rabbit who desire friendship. But at the same time, no matter what she has done, she goes out every day seeking a friend. But every day she will return home telling her mama what's going on. It's just as simple as that. And how the mom treats her and speaks to her and encourages her. That's how this book will help not just the child who is reading, but also the adult to show that, listen, you got to have that sincere empathy and understanding of what kids at this age would and should be going through. What a fantastic message this book has. Indeed, we all do deserve to have friends. Natoya, how did you get the idea for this? Well, the idea came, you know, I too. So this book is kind of mixed fiction and nonfiction. Mm. So it's part of my life story. And then I mix it again with a little fiction. But it's more so that, you know, I grew up, I'm a quiet young girl growing up in the inner city in Jamaica and no friends. And the only friend I had was my youngest sister. Mm. So we did everything together, you know, spend time together. But when you go to school, you know, I really don't have friends because I'm quiet. And as a Christian, you can't partake in certain activities. So, you know, along that line, friendship, you know, I've always wanted to have friends where I can just do things with, spend time with, you know, just go anywhere and just feel a part of a union. And I believe this book stemmed from that or throughout my life story or journey. Hmm. How long of a process was this for you once you sat down and began writing? You know, Corey, surprisingly, though, when I started writing, I was in Japan as a junior high school teacher. Hmm. And when I got home, we usually get home early. And I just sat there and I knew, you know, years I always wanted to write a book and have my life story, where I'm coming from and where I am now. I've always said, I need to write a book. I need to tell my story. And uh, I sat down one day after work. And I just wrote the book just like that in a couple hours or you would say mm-hmm. minutes, just like that. It wasn't, you know, a long journey like, oh, I have writer's block. Mm. It just happened. And I just wrote the book and throughout the time or the week, I just edited the book and, you know, put in grammar and stuff. But it didn't took a very long time for this book to get done. So this is your first book that you've written and published. So what was the most challenging thing along the way for you? The most challenging, as I mentioned, the book, writing it wasn't challenging, but the challenging part was getting it published, like Mm. not knowing where to go, what to do. You know, it's your first experience. Mm. And in my book, I dedicate also did a dedication to the person who kind of encouraged me to get it published. I've had this book written since 2018 or 19, and it just got published this year. 
that's because I was on Facebook and a Jamaican author saw me and, you know, saw me always talking and writing. And he said, have you written a book? <laughs> and I was like, how did you know that? And he was like, I just know, you know, about six cents. And he, I told him yes. And he said, girl, you need to get your book out there. That's how that book came about. But the hardest part is just the publishing because to find the right publisher, I'm in America now, I'm not sure who is who. You know, it took a while, but at the same time, after a year of searching, God brought Fulton books to me. And I think this book has a fantastic message, and I think my listeners should check it out for sure. The name is Nina and Anna, A Friend to Call My Own. It's written by Natoya Perkins, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can pick this one up everywhere, of course, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble and iTunes and on Google Play. Natoya, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about your work. I can't wait for the next one to get out there, and I hope we get to talk again soon. No problem, Corey. It was a pleasure being here, and I'm thanking you and your followers for listening and taking the time out to have me here today. Thank you. A Biopsychosocio-Spiritual Taxonomy. That's the name of the new book. It just hit stores. It's written by Dr. Stacy Burdick. And Dr. Burdick is right here with me now, and we're going to chat all about it. Dr. Burdick, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, great to be here. Can you tell me what readers can expect in a Biopsychosocio-Spiritual Taxonomy? Well, what, what they can expect is to learn how to build better relationships and to realize that the building of better relationships, whether it's a relationship with oneself or other people, is it is a vigorous, heart-wrenching journey. And that mm. this book is an invitation to begin that journey. Mm. Dr. Burdick, who are you writing to in this? Did you have a certain set of readers that you're reaching out to? Not specifically. It's an invitation for readers or listeners of any age. Mm. And I really mean that because it's imperative that as young or old readers and or listeners, if someone's reading it to us, to really gain a clear and meaningful understanding of our pain and suffering. And in so doing, we, we benefit ourselves and, and we learn to build better relationships, whether it's parent-child or child-parent or friendships as adults. It's going to help us. It invites us. The book is an invitation to invite us to a sense of well-being that really needs to happen at the youngest possible age. And when it does, it benefits us for old age, for those golden years. So it really isn't hugely associated with one particular audience. The title might seem a bit abstract, yet I know the title, Biopsychosocial Spiritual Taxonomy, to be the best descriptor of both pain and personhood. And so anyone really wanting to understand more about pain and what it means to be human are the target readers. Now, when it comes to writing and publishing a book like this, have you ever done anything like this before? I'm a behavioral health doctor, so I've self-published some curriculum. I write to help process things for mm. myself. There's a beautiful value to the written language, whether it's in the form of journaling or authoring a book, and it's transformative. Mm. It's a good guide. Writing is a good guide to the expression of what's heartfelt to me and to help me to define a uh, sense of well-being for myself and to encourage others in the same direction. Hmm. 
Do you think you'll have more books after this? Do you have anything planned? Yeah, I do. Uh, I call it talk therapy, the prevalence and severity of pain. Pain is may seem like a painful term. It, it really isn't. Pain is simply an invitation. Pain is prevalent. It's a constant variable. And so understanding its meaningfulness and its purposefulness in our lives is why it's there. Pain is very prevalent. It's a constant variable. But it's not as bothersome as it is prevalent, unless, of course, it is. I mean, there's some pain that is so overwhelming that uh, we are in desperate need for comfort. And so I think that because humans are a narrative species, that pain is meant to be conversive, whether it's medical pain or psychological pain or hurt feelings or harsh emotions or relationship issues, loss or spiritual pain. Pain is something that's meant to be conversive. It's meant to be talked about. It's meant to draw people together to learn compassion, Mm -hmm. to learn to value each other and to realize that pain is simply alerting mankind to something being wrong, something's out of balance. And so it's meant to draw people together. Hmm. I know a lot of people are going to find help in this book. It's titled A Biopsychosocio-Spiritual Taxonomy. It's written by Dr. Stacy Burdick, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can get it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, Google Play, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Dr. Burdick, it was wonderful having you on the show here today. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Appreciate your interest. Creative Healing. How God Helped Me Heal My Trauma with the Gift of Creativity. This is the new book. It's really intriguing. It's out in stores right now. It's written by Tina Melton, and I'm really happy that Tina's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to tell me all about it. Tina, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to have you here, Tina. Can you tell me what readers are in store for with Creative Healing? Well, I think it's an inspirational book about using creativity as a healing method to get whatever you're going through, whether it be mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever, you know, terminal illness, depression. I have mental illness, so I was able to use creativity to try to navigate through that. What sparked you to tell your story and to publish it for the world? Well, it's been a long journey of mental centers and psychiatrists and counselors. I went through a bit of trauma and it took me a long time, you know, to be able to get through that. And I started reading about, you know, creativity through creativity books, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, different books like that. And I learned different ways, you know, because medication, you know, it takes care of so much, but it's not a cure-all. And so I learned different methods to redirect my mind so that it wouldn't be so negative. Tina, who are you reaching out to with this book? What kind of readers were you looking to reach? Well, I mean, I believe anybody that is going through any kind of adversity or struggles or whatever, maybe they've tried self-help books and it's more of a practical solution. I think mine's more unconventional. Like redirecting your mind to other things so that you're not always thinking about the negativity. And and I think it's a positive force. How long of a process was this for you, Tina, both writing the book and then putting it through that publishing process? 
Well, I started writing it in 2017. It started out as something different, and then I changed it. I really don't know what kind of helped me change it, but it started out as a book called Creative Star, and then I changed it to Creative Healing. I started in 2017, and then I actually wrote the book in 2019. I started having ideas in 2017, so it took me a couple of years. And do you think you'll do it again? Do you think you'll write another book in the future? Oh, absolutely. I'm working on maybe a sequel to this one. Hmm. And I'm also, I love fantasy, so I'm kind of working on a a fantasy. I'm not sure if it's going to be a children's book or a young adult book yet. Can you describe that moment for me, Tina, whenever you got that first physical hard copy of this in your hands and got to look at it for the first time? Oh, my God, I was so excited. I mean, I was just thrilled. I couldn't believe that I actually did it. I went through many obstacles to get there, and I was just, yeah, I was really excited to get it. (laughs) A lot of people listening out there right now are authors who are just starting out, so do you have any words of wisdom you could offer them? Right. Read a lot. A lot of famous authors will say that, too. Just start writing and read a lot of different subjects and just write. (laughs) It's great advice. Now, this couldn't have been easy for you to write. You went through a lot of things before you could reach out and help others. So what's the most rewarding aspect to you now, knowing that your work is published, it's out there for the world? Well, for me, it was getting through all the obstacles and overcoming everything that I did overcome Hmm. to be able to write it. And I, I wanted to try to help others that may be going through similar situations or other situations that they're struggling through that they just can't get through. And in a different way, it's about using your imagination, being unique, seeing different sides of yourself. It's a diverse book. I think when I first got it published, when they first told me that it had been published, they were like, this is the most unique thing that we've seen. So, yes, Mm. we want to publish you. And I was just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of people are really going to be helped by this book. I encourage you to check it out. The title is Creative Healing, How God Helped Me Heal My Trauma with the Gift of Creativity. This is written by Tina Melton and is published by Fulton Books. You can grab this one up everywhere like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Tina, it's been wonderful having you on the show and learning about your journey and about the book. I hope we get to talk again soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'd like to welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, author Albert Kluss. Albert, thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, great. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Well, it's great to have you here. There's a new book out in stores right now that you have out. It's called USA, Greatest Invention, Modern Direct Democracy. Can you tell me about the book? Yes. I studied our political system and examined it, and then I invented a new political system. Hmm. It took me about eight years to figure out. One reason why I invented it was because when I went to college to study political scientists, My professor was teaching us the different political systems, and he says one of them is direct democracy. And I asked him, why don't we have direct democracy? And he says, because USA voters are idiots. And I got so offended by that. I says, we got a political system where the voters could actually be Congress, and you're saying that the voters are idiots? 
and he was responsible for Democrat Party that he promoted. So anybody who went against the Democrat Party, he would just not talk. If we had a conversation within college, he would just stop the person who initiated the conversation. But I was there specifically to learn the political system. And then any problems within the political system, I took out. I'm a political scientist, which means that I invented a new political system. And basically, the political system is where the voters vote directly on policy. They do what Congress does from a phone app. And then the voters get paid a salary. So they're included within the budget. So it's empowering all the voters. And then they help with the policy, with the committees. I'm running for president in 2024 for independent party. And all the voters are my cabinet. So it's basically going to be a phone app where each voter is going to get the phone app. And if you don't know how to use it, you could just go to the library and they show you how to use it. They're going to do everything that Congress does from the phone app. They vote from the phone. And what I did was went to actually three different community colleges, took all the political science courses and got A's. I was on the honor roll and I studied criminal justice, psychology, 33 different subjects where I was on the honor roll. I never got a grade under a B and they mostly were all A's in 33 different subjects. And it took me eight years to figure out the new system, and it took me five months to write it, write the book. Mm. What advice would you have, Albert, for people listening? They haven't written a book before, but they want to get their first one out there. Do you have any words of wisdom? Basically, on a book, you have to know about something. And a book is just explaining what your interests are. My interest was I wanted to invent a new political system. Every single person I talked to told me, there's no way you could do that. It's impossible, which gave me the motivation to not give up and try harder and take more courses and study it more. The more people shoot you down, the more you have to fight for whatever the book, the subject that you want to write and study it and know it inside and out, accept criticism Mm. in a positive way, a positive light, instead of saying, hey, you know, If somebody gives you uh, criticism, don't give up. Just look at what they're saying and try to come up with an answer to what they're saying and compliment them and discuss what your point of view is and respect their point of view, even though they're trying to shoot you down and say, hey, that can't be done. You have to prove to them that it can be done and then explain how it can be done. So basically, any author of any subject can write any any book if they know and learn, learn the subject. And they just want to convey to the readers what the point of the book is and the subject matter. That's how you begin the process writing your book. It's great advice, Albert. I know a lot of people out there are going to be interested in picking this book up. It's called USA Greatest Invention, Modern Direct Democracy. This is written by Albert Kluss, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Robert, thank you again for coming on the show here and telling me all about your work. I hope we can talk again soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good day. I'm really delighted right now to be sitting down with author Ariana Oman here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ariana, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, it's my pleasure to have you here, Ariana. You have a new book. It just hit stores right now. It's called Foster Me. So can you tell me what readers are in store for here? They're in store for a beautiful novel. Imagine as a child being plucked from your family. You're 13 years old and you are plopped into another family. There are entirely different rules to follow. Your parents are not your original parents and they barely know you. 
you're starting all over again in a foreign household. This new family doesn't know you or your favorite meals or what movies you like to watch or what books you like to read. Nothing is familiar and you're in a different bed, different school, so you have to meet new friends. Then imagine while you're adjusting to all those sudden changes in your life, you must also deal with the trauma or tragedy that created this complete overhaul of your life. That is what this novel, Foster Me, is about, facing dramatic life changes and digging deep to find a way through it and hopefully come out intact. Hmm. Ariana, what sparked the idea for this? What inspired you to write it? I was inspired because I was once a foster child in my teens. I can see that you're reaching out for foster children, foster parents, and families who have been through this whole thing. Is that primarily who you were writing for, or did you have a wider audience in mind? Initially, that is what I believed, that foster children would be a focus or families associated with that, basically fiction with family life. But then after COVID-19, everyone became my target readers because thanks to the pandemic, we all face trauma and dramatic changes in our lives. And now everyone, I believe, can totally relate to the story. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing and doing the publishing thing? I have. I have some experience. I started off with like neighborhood newspaper and, you know, newsletters. And I did a few things with some fledgling magazines, but this is my first published work. So this was a change of gears for you. This is fiction, a novel. How long did it take you? Did this take a long time? Believe it or not, it didn't. I wrote it in six months. What was the most challenging part of it for you? Probably the most challenging was that I had to motivate myself. (laughs) And what advice would you have for other authors? You know, a lot of people listening, they're aspiring authors. They're looking to get their first book out there. What words of wisdom could you offer them now? Probably this. Not everyone is capable of conveying ideas, concepts, beliefs, and even emotions like love through words. But you can. So what are you waiting for? Do you think there will be more books after this? Do you have more planned? I do. There is one in process right now Hmm. being published. It is called Lila Lies a Lot. And then I'm working on a third one in the editing process of that novel. That's wonderful. After all the time and work that you put into writing a book, then publishing a book, what was it like for you to get that first physical copy in and hold it and look at it for the first time, Ariana? Yeah, that was a big one. I would like to say, and I know it would be proper to say, that I had a sense of pride, but I did not. Hmm. (laughs) Let me explain. If the book was in my hands one week after being accepted by the publisher, I would have been totally elated, asking to be pinched to be sure it wasn't a dream. (laughs) After months and months of the publishing process, where you have, you know, the editing, the design, cover art, title, and so on, it developed into a project. And it wasn't just a dream, but I did feel this wonderful sense of accomplishment. And who inspires you in your life, especially when it comes to your writing, Ariana? I love, believe it or not, it's not in the same genre, I love science fiction. (laughs) And who inspired me, I was introduced to the Dune books Mm. years and years ago by Frank Herbert. Fantastic series. It really is. There's so much to it that it's awe-inspiring, and that's what happened to me is I was struck. (laughs) And he did a wonderful job of not just creating this imaginary, beautiful world, but he held true to what human nature really presents and our interactions with one another. And that really hooked me. Well, Ariana, I love your passion. I, I love that you're looking to reach out and help others who are going through some other things that you've been through as well. I encourage my listeners to check out this book. It's titled Foster Me. It's written by Ariana Oman and it's published by Covenant Books. Of course, you can grab this one up everywhere, like at Barnes & Noble and iTunes and Amazon and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. 
Ariana, it was truly a pleasure having you on the show and learning about your work. Thank you so much for using what you've been through to reach out and help others. And I hope we can talk again soon. I hope so too, Corey. And it has been really a delight. I'm so excited I got to talk to you. Thank you. Life is about change. And that's the focus of the new book in stores now, written by Jan Bannerman. The title is Francine and the Muscle Fairy. And Jan is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to talk all about it. Jan, thank you for joining me tonight. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate this. Well, it's my pleasure. Can you tell me what readers are in store for with Francine and the Muscle Fairy? Yeah, it's a children's book. It's probably geared for, you know, ages 8 plus to 99 like Legos. (laughs) But it's an adventure. It's fantasy. It's a mystery. It's basically about a couple of children that have some commonality. They both suffered a loss, and Fancy meets Willie in Chapter 3. But the book opens when she's on the beach and discovers a muscle in the sand, and she picks it up. And uh, from there, everything ensues, and it describes a little bit about her life. Uh, Francine is different in that she's got personal hardship. She's got a a disability that she has to contend with, but Mm. then everybody's got those. But this book kind of takes you to a little bit of that journey. And her mother, and then we talked about the loss, but her mother had just passed away. So she's dealing with that, and she's not really uncertain about her future. And so we go on from there. It's a fun book, and it's kind of fast-paced, and I think that kids will like it because it is a bit fast. In the book, it opens up a dialogue, and it's about camaraderie, and it's about communication. It's about hardship and difficulties that they overcome, but it takes them on an adventure, and it allows them to get to know one another, and it's got history in there, which is a lot of fun. For kids that are not interested, it's got a very interesting slant on history that draws them into this. So kids are able to experience some of the things in, in Texas history in the past, and it makes it enjoyable, which I always found it interesting. I had a, a very good history teacher, so I learned something there, and I appreciate it. And I thought one, one thing I could do is write something that would maybe generate an interest to help them pursue history a little bit better. was kind of one of my goals in the book anyway. Well, that's great. I can't say that I've seen a lot of books where a muscle is one of the points of focus, Jan. How did the idea for this come about? Yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. See, when I was a kid, and and you kind of put your own into your book, but when I was a child, I spent a lot of time outdoors. And the one thing that fascinated me the most were you got on a beach, not the ocean, but on the lake, and you would find these muscles. And sometimes you couldn't break them open. Sometimes you could. Sometimes you would find small pearls inside, but they always had an iridescent glow inside. It was like magic. And it all colors of the rainbow. And I did a little research into that. There's freshwater pearl mussels. And I, I just always found them fascinating. And I, I wanted to put that in my book. And that was the source of the mussel fairy. She's enclosed in that freshwater pearl. So when you look at those, you're in the, on the beach and you're a small child and you just wonder, what is in that thing? So that's a Texas fairy tale I made. In the mussel. <laughs> that's wonderful. Do you think you'll have more books coming out? Or are you planning on writing and publishing more? Yeah, I'd like to actually, now that you mentioned it, I'll tell you that there was another book, another book after that, but it was a fun book. For me to write, I've got to have a bee in my bonnet. There's got to be something that probes me or makes me want to do something. And usually it's if someone asks me to do something for them, 
or if I want something done, and it's a good cause. It's got to be a good cause, right? It has to have a lot of integrity. And so that's what prompts me to write. So, well, back then, there is a second book. It's, I'm going to say, half finished. Everything's the sketchings are done, the writing's done, the title, everything. I haven't shown it to anybody, but I want to illustrate it. So that's going to take some time because I'm not the most fabulous artist. I just try hard. <laughs> but I do have another book and I'd like to get that one done. And then, you know, I really like comic books. The visual is what excites me. I like to be able to draw. So I'm hoping that I'll become better and be able to do more in that direction. Well, I really think that children and adults alike or really get a lot out of this book and really enjoy it. The title is Francine and the Muscle Fairy. This is written by Jan Bannerman, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Jan, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me all about Francine and the Muscle Fairy, and I really hope we get to talk again. Thanks, Corey. I appreciate you. Sitting down right beside me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Esther Jones. Esther, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Great to be here. It's exciting. You have a new book in stores right now. It's titled Exploring the Roots of Missions, Personal, Biblical, and Spiritual. And this is the Missions in a Coconut Shell Book One. Esther, can you tell me a little bit about what readers are in store for here? Yeah, this book is a story about how God works through missions through the different roots. We've got Route 1, which is the five W's, the who, what, where, which, and how, exploring about where it's done, who does it, the different modes of evangelism, tent making. And then we go into the second route, which is the biblical theology missions, going from the Old and New Testaments. The third route is my story and how I got involved in missions. The fourth route is discerning biblical calls in the preparation of missions work. And the final route is spiritual warfare, which is the armor that we all need to fight the lies of the enemy and fight to proclaim God's kingdom. Hmm. Esther, is this a book you wrote primarily for missionaries to read? No, I wouldn't say it's for missionaries. It would be for missionary students. We now call international workers in many places. It could be also for people who pray on behalf of those working in the mission field because you need to know what they're going up against. You need to know what kind of things are involved in getting people to go and to stand behind them in prayer. And so I think this kind of thing would also be helpful in that because sometimes you don't know until you hear the stories that people come back and say, this is what it's like. Esther, can you tell me about how this book came about? What sparked you to write it? I was on my uh, first missions trip to Korea working in a denominational office, and uh, I was supposed to teach on missions, only they didn't have a lot of English resources. This is back in 1995, so I had to do some research. And so I ended up borrowing some books. This was pre-online stuff, so it was a lot of research through books mostly. And this is what kind of came out, or part of this is what came out. It was 100 pages, the first project, and so it has grown since then and uh, evolved into other more in-depth. Did this book take you a long time to write and publish and get all put together? Well, I started writing it in 95. I added more things in 2002 on a second trip to Korea, actually teaching in a university, and I was a teacher technician course there. And then later on, I added some more in 2007. Actually, it morphed into four books because one book would have been too long. I actually also edited it as well for the final revision, setting it up for publication. So you could say it took a while. And prior to doing this, have you ever written or published? I did a 
few smaller things. I got a poem published in my high school yearbook. I put a story online with storyhouse.org. I did devotionals for my church two years running. I did three or four each year. And then I also had a little thing I put into Reader's Digest back in 2008. So it's just a little bits and pieces here and there. Hmm. So this book was a long time in the making, Esther. What was it like when you finally got the first hard copy and you got to hold it in your hands and look at it for that first time? It was just kind of unbelievable because I, I saw this book with this beautiful cover and I went, there's my name on the front and here we are at last. And I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of doing this, Esther. What advice would you have now to authors who are aspiring, who are just starting out as well? Be prepared to outline what you write. Reorganize and rewrite as often as you need to. A good book is not written in a hurry. And be patient with the process once you do start the publishing with the editors, because it just takes much, much longer than you think. Mm-hmm. Esther, when you go to write, do you find that you have a certain routine to it? Do you like to write maybe a certain time of day, maybe at night or in the morning? Maybe you have a certain room or a place that you like to go to? Or rather, do you find yourself sitting and writing as the ideas and the time is coming? Generally, I sit and write in the living room. I've got my corner there with my laptop, and that's where I go. But often, if I get an idea when I'm out walking, as soon as I get in, I'll start writing. And I can write any time, but morning usually is the best. That's when the brain is working the best. So that's when I write, and I do a lot of praying as I write to make sure I'm doing it as best a way as possible. Well, if you want to get deeper into the roots of missions and mission work, then check this book out. It's titled Exploring the Roots of Missions, Personal, Biblical, and Spiritual, Missions in a Coconut Shell, Book One. This is written by Esther Jones, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Esther, thank you again for sitting down with me here tonight at the show and telling me about your work, and I hope we get to talk again soon. Thank you so much. It's been great. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.